If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, and BBC History Revealed. I'm Ellie Cawthorn. 2022 is the History Extra podcast's 15th birthday. So to mark 15 years of fascinating historical conversations, we've asked 15 historians to nominate a figure from history who they think deserves their 15 minutes of fame. Some are inspiring people who deserve more airtime today. Others are those whose significance in history has been overlooked. And some simply led fascinating and unexpected lives. In this episode, Professor Hakim Adi nominates Alice Kinlock. Speaking to Rhiannon Davis, he describes how this impassioned South African political campaigner travelled around Britain determined to reveal the brutality of the diamond mining industry. Can you tell us Alice Kinlock's life story? I can give you an outline of Alice Kinlock's life story. We need to know much more about her. She was born probably around 1863 in Cape Town, South Africa. She was the daughter of a man who was a probably a, a cook uh, who moved to Kimberley, which is known particularly for its diamond mining, and it was at that time. And she probably went to school in in Kimberley. What we do know about her, she she got married 
um, in her late twenties or early thirties, from from memory. But what is interesting and intriguing about her as a South African woman in that period, I suppose, if we think about her in terms of the kind of racist uh, language of the time or the racist language of um, the early 20th century, she would probably be have been referred to as a, a person of colour or a coloured person. Um, anyway, she was a South African woman. What is interesting and important and significant about her is that in the 1890s, probably about 1896, she came to Britain. And she came to Britain in circumstances that are still a little bit unclear, but she essentially came as a a lecturer, a public speaker. And her theme or her subject was the exploitation and oppression of South African mine workers in the mines of Kimberley, in the diamond mines of Kimberley, where she'd grown up, where her father worked, where her husband worked. Um, And she, she lectured all over the country from... Um, at Land's End to John O'Groats, but she was in she was in London, she was in York, she was in Newcastle, she was in Manchester, she was in Brighton, she was in the Isle of Wight. She seems to have been in touch with those who, at that time, would have been seen as critics of empire. Some people connected with the Liberal Party, some people connected with the Aboriginals Protection Society, some other organisations, women's organisations, especially progressive women's organisations at that time. And she spoke to all of these organisations about the exploitation of African workers. Uh, so not only in terms of the the activities in the mines, the compound system, the past laws, which were already in place at that time, but she also talked about the complicity of missionaries, how missionaries were essentially part of this system of exploitation. Uh, which was quite a, a controversial thing to say at that time. So that was her her essential activity. We don't really know who invited her. She seems to have come on her own. Her husband came a little bit later. Um, and it was while she was lecturing around the country that she came into contact with a man called Henry Sylvester Williams. Now, Henry Sylvester Williams was a Trinidadian in origin. He had studied law in various places and was uh, effectively a a law student, a lawyer. Um, He's mainly known as the one of the fathers, if not the father, of Pan-Africanism. That is to say the idea that people from Africa and the African diaspora should get together organize themselves, speak with one voice about all the problems that face um, Africans and people of African heritage, problems of racism, colonialism, and so on. It used to be thought that he was the, as I say, the father of Pan-Africanism. He founded an organization called the African Association in London in 1897. And that organization went on to found the first ever Pan-African Conference, which was held in London in 1900. Now, in recent years, literally, twenty, the last probably the last 20 years, even the last 10 years, 15 years, 
it's now been established that actually he was inspired to found that organization by Alice Kinlock. He met Alice Kinlock. He was <laughs> amazed by her, inspired by her. Um, and the two of them, with others, founded the African Association. And one of the reasons they did that was because of her lecturing and presentation about the exploitation of of African miners in, in South Africa. You know, he says that she has inspired him. She writes that she is founding an organisation with him to bring to the attention of people in Britain in particular the, the, the exploitation that people are facing in Africa and to enable Africans and people of African descent to, to speak with one voice. So, if you, if you like, history has been turned on its head in the sense that we can say that modern Pan-Africanism, the modern Pan-African movement, was inspired by or founded by an African woman. Um, and that's, I think, to many people, quite a revelation that she had that role. She's acknowledged by Sylvester Williams and others that she had that role. She herself says that she had that role and so on. So she's, in that sense, a very important person. She only stayed in England for about two years. She then returned to South Africa. She, you know, had children. She travelled. She's, it's thought then later in her life, went to Kenya with one of her sons and, and later to what was then Tanganyika, today Tanzania, where she died in around uh, about 1946. She seems to have kept in touch with Pan-African matters for, for a couple of years. Essentially, what happened after this period, so this period from sort of 1896 to about 1900, we have some idea of what she was doing. After that period, very little information and very little information about her period in Britain. There are some newspaper reports that say rather <laughs> strange things. I was just looking at one just before this interview, which says that actually refers to her in a, I think it's a Scottish paper, refers to her as a, a kafir, which is a, essentially a term of abuse used about Africans, usually in the, the South African context, but here it's being used in Britain. And it says that she's going to speak tomorrow night in, in Manchester. Um, and it's after sort of abusing her in that way, it says, well, she's a very educated and intelligent woman and is going to speak about the conditions of minors and so on. And it also rather intriguingly says that she doesn't have any children of her own, which is true. So she's adopted a white girl in England. <laughs> she's going to leave her in school in England. I, whether that is true or not, though it's just a, uh, a sensationalism of the press report, we don't know. But there is there's that report. And there are other reports. Um, but there is much more that needs to be established about her. I understand from others who have done some research that there are some very old family photos of her later in her later life uh, in Kenya, but there seem to be no photos of her while she was in Britain. It would be wonderful to find photos of her in a, a younger life so that we actually have an image of this person who founded, we can say, the modern Pan-African movement. So that briefly is who Alice Kinlock 
was. Still to come on the History Extra podcast. Tanya Sylvester Williams' own account, as well as the account of some others who were his contemporaries, talk about her her role. So it's not as if it's exactly hidden within the archive, but it just hasn't emerged um, until relatively recently. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm assuming that she was a very trailblazing woman. Were there lots of South African women working in politics at the time, or is she the exception? There weren't lots of South African women. There were... A few women who were educated, very often educated abroad, who had some prominence in that period. But she is unusual, also because it appears that her main political activity was in Britain rather than in South Africa. It may be that we don't know yet enough about what she was doing in South Africa. But um, as an African woman in Britain, that's really her significance. And in that regard, she was pretty unusual. That I mean, there were um, people around who maybe were involved in organisations, but <laughs> lecturing around the country in 1897 is extremely unusual, extremely unusual. And so that, in that regard, she's a pioneer and a, and a rarity in that, in that time period, definitely. And you mentioned that she's been forgotten until relatively recently. Why is that, do you think? I think that uh, it's, it's sometimes the way that, or well, very often the way that history is is written, um, that women are excluded from it. Um, sometimes we say that the, the archive is not very gender sensitive in the sense that writings are often by men and about men and so on. But um, as I say, even... Tanya Sylvester Williams' own account, as well as the account of some others who were his contemporaries, talk about her her role. So it's not as if it's exactly hidden within the archive, but it just hasn't emerged um, until relatively recently. And I think that's, and I say that's the kind of the nature of history that it's very often 
men who are more prominent in general in history. It's often white men who are prominent and white men of property who are more prominent. Um, but but here we have you know very clear evidence that she was a a central and highly significant figure. So um, she she's been obscured out of history for a uh, hundred years or so, a bit more. Um, but hopefully now she's going to reclaim her rightful place. I think if we had more pictorial evidence, that would definitely help her cause because it's very difficult to, well, it's more difficult to talk about somebody we can't see, we can't visualise, we don't know so much about. Um, but yeah, she definitely needs to be reinstated in her rightful place. This brings me on to my next question, which is, why do you think Alice deserves her 15 minutes of fame? Well, I think because she was such a, a central figure in the development of modern Pan-Africanism. Um, you know, Pan-Africanism today, I suppose, manifests itself through the African Union in particular, the Organisation of African States. When the African Union reflects on its history, it will talk about, you know, the, the creation of the Organisation of African Unity in 1963 or the Manchester Pan-African Congress in 1945 or the London Pan-African Conference of 1900. Um, but it probably won't refer to to Alice Kinloch. She's, she's been forgotten about. But she, in a sense, is responsible for all these other historic developments because she gave rise, her life, her work, her commitment, gave rise to... This movement, which we can see has developed throughout the 20th century and the 21st century. Of course, she was not the only one, but she's a, a very significant um, pioneer and such pioneers deserve to be remembered. That was Professor Hakim Adi speaking to Rhiannon Davis. Hakim is Professor of the History of Africa and the African Diaspora at the University of Chichester. He's also the author of the upcoming book, African and Caribbean People in Britain, A History, which is published by Alan Lane in September this year. If you're enjoying this series and would like early access to more episodes to hear more historians nominating people who deserve their 15 minutes of fame, go to historyextra.com forward slash 15 hyphen minutes. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Daniel Kramer Arden. Yeah.